Come on, come all, come gather around. Come hear tales both lost and found. Finally, show not about true crime. It's David and Michael story time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and people wearing tight corsets and riding on horses, welcome back to another exciting episode of Storytime! I'm Michael Santel, joined as always, the one with animals on the brain, well that's David Miller. I mean, yeah, but only when I'm telling you those stories. <laughs> and, a, and we're wonderfully joined today by executive producer, uh, uh, white Christmas enthusiast, uh, some would say she is a, a, a white Christmas uh, supremacist. That's just what some people say. Uh, she's joining Why us. Why you gotta do that week. to our guests? <laughs> I to do it. it came out worse when it came out loud. I, why can't I be like, I just love White Christmas. It's better than all the other movies. It, it sounds bad when you say it like that. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it like that, but she'll explain herself. Thank you for joining us. The M. Hanky. Hi. I'm here to defend myself against yeah, well, slander. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and defend yourself immediately. I will, write, I will write this down so also get live in there. I don't know the difference. I just libel know what is, is written. Uh, libel is printed and slander is spoken. Perfect, perfect. Well, I've already forgotten that. Em, <laughs> what have you brought to us this See, week? See, hold on. Before she even gets to say what she brought, you were like, I'm not going to tell what, what story we're doing this week. And then you started the intro with like a very specific reference to what story she's doing. First off, corsets and horses is a huge swath of literature. I don't sure. feel like I've pinned anybody down. Also, we don't know what kind of corsets and horses they are, David. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, there's not a lot of corsets in this story, actually, because it takes place in Regency time. So there's a lot of unpure waist dresses. What uh, is an unpure waist dress? That's where the like the waistband is not actually at your waist. It's like right at your ribs under your boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, about yeah. those dresses. Yeah. So I am super excited because today I'm going to tell you guys the story of Pride and Prejudice by Woo! Jane Austen. Uh, super excited. David, back to your other point. The fucking audience knows the episode. You put it in the goddamn title. It's never, <laughs> like, what the fuck does it Look, matter? I'm we, not spoiling we, anything. We, we have facade upon facade <laughs> here at Storytime. <laughs> uh, I do want to give a quick apology to our other guests, Elise Griffin and Sarah Parga, who have also in the past expressed the, the want to do this story on our show. And M, you beat them out <laughs> and scheduled yourself first. <laughs> I jumped on it. I yeah. jumped on it. Listen, I am not only the producer, but this podcast number one fan. And Pride and Prejudice <laughs> is my number one favorite book of all time. So I am legitimately super excited to tell this story to you guys. There we go. Uh, what background information do we need to know? When What year was this book written? Uh, it's in the 1830s, I want to say. I forget the exact year. Uh, but it's in the Regency era. So uh, a couple things that's helpful to know, and I'll explain a lot of this as we go along. But in general, um, it's so have you guys seen Bridgerton? That's like the biggest Regency thing. That's only, going on right now. only a trailer and everyone's tweets. I just <laughs> watched The Great on Hulu. Is it anything like that? Okay, we get yeah, Master and Commander. You guys oh yeah! That movie. Oh, okay. I love Master and Command. It was so boring. It was. <laughs> is, is there a part where the captain of the ship plays violin to somebody for a long time? Is that in this book? We're gonna say yes. Okay, I'm great. Just, we're gonna assume that happens in the background. Um, but Regency time, so it's um, England takes place in the English countryside. Mm -hmm. I'll explain a lot of the social conventions to you. But uh, one of the main themes of this book is basically women cannot make their own money. 
Mm. Um, and they have to marry well to ensure a good future for themselves if they don't have generational wealth. Right. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Fun. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited to hear about their lack of options and what that forces them to do. Oh, this boy. is really all I'm going to talk about is just social commentary. So, Pride okay. and Prejudice. Wait, uh, David, what do you think is going to happen? I, know, we have to do predictions. I was just going to say, what are your predictions? So, so I, I have to say, I have ne- not seen any like movie version of Pride and Prejudice. I haven't read it. So I don't know much other than... Kira Knightley was in it, and I am in love with Kira Knightley. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, what can I, we? So, I I think like I, I have a little bit of like cultural reference that I like heard to it. So I think that our main character at some point is gonna like just brutally reject a dude, and I I don't know the context of it, but I like it's gonna be a thing of like. Only a crazy person would turn down that rich man, and she's going to be like, no, you're a dick. And and I think that's going to be like one of the cruxes of the story. Beyond that, I have almost no idea. <laughs> I don't have any idea of what the other horcruxes are in this story. I'm sure they're there. I think that there's going to be a big dance party with lots of people dancing and oh, looking course, at each other course. and talking. There's going to be a, a part in a gazebo somewhere, like outside. Uh, oh, we're going to have a tragic death of a friend that's going to be an example of what could happen to us absolutely absolutely we'll have another friend who's like listen i married and my life is great that she's always like <laughs> comparing or she's married and her to. life is terrible but that's the only option for you you yeah, know yeah uh and someone's gonna die of a disease that we have cured about a hundred years ago uh great one and uh, i also will add that i think that there will be uh a uh, uh, a prophetic, a dream that affects our waking <laughs> lives. That they'll come back and have to talk about this dream. Those are very good predictions. Some of them are right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the disease one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's rickets. Just the whole book is rickets. So let me give you an introduction to the Bennett family. Uh, there's mm. a lot of characters in this book, so I will try okay. to keep them all straight for you. So the patriarch of the I don't, family. I don't, I don't care what their sexual orientation is. We are open to everybody here. They can be straight or bent or whatever they want to be. There's no judgment on my part. Bent. <laughs> uh, so Mr. Bennett, he's the patriarch of the family. He's sarcastic. He's witty. He's kind of laid back. He loves, like, poking fun at his wife. Basically, he loves just trolling Mrs. Bennett. Okay. So he's, he's pretty chill. He's a family man. He hangs out on the weekend. He's, he's a always, daddy ri- dad he's always ribbon end. mom. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. So Mrs. Bennett, his wife, she is ridiculous. She is just completely shameless. She's super frivolous. She's prone to hysterics. She's a bit of a hypochondriac. Like, everything upsets her. Okay. All she cares about is getting her daughters married and, gotcha. like, gossiping. Those are, like, the two things in her life. Okay. So the eldest of the Bennett daughters is Jane. Um, she's 22. She's the eldest and the prettiest. Um, she's a sweet angel, like almost <laughs> too nice. Uh, that's her Who big character her flaw. She's movie. like too nice. Um, in the 2005 one, it is played by the girl who is in Gone Girl, and I don't remember her name. Oh, she's great. She's uh, wonderful. Uh, oh god, now I'm blinking on her name, and I have to look it up. I because... just saw her in the Netflix movie uh, I Care or I Don't Care, whichever uh, the care is. It's great. She's incredible in World's End. Um, Rosamund oh. Pike. 
Oh, Rosamund, Rosamund Pike. Pike. Rosamund Pike, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I don't remember the actress's name who plays her in the OG one, which is the 1995 BBC version. Oh. So I'm telling you the story right from the book, but if I mention the movie, I'm probably talking about the BBC miniseries, which okay. is the only way to do it. Okay. Is that, is that the Keira Knightley one? That's not the Keira Knightley one. No, no. Keira Knightley is 2005. Okay. Uh, the see, 1995 is like a full miniseries. It's very true <laughs> to the book. Colin Firth is Mr. Darcy. Okay. I'm a purist okay. <laughs> about that one. <laughs> um, so then that's Jane. Elizabeth is our protagonist. She's 20. Um, she is a strong character. She's sharp-witted. Uh, sometimes her like tongue gets her in trouble because okay. uh, she tends to you know speak her opinion more than the average woman would. Um, she has a really good sense of humor, and uh, so she's the one that we know the most about because she's the main character. Gotcha. She got her sense of humor from her dad. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Actually, yeah. She's her dad's favorite because they have a very similar kind of temperament. Vibe, yeah. Yeah. And then there's Mary Bennett. She's the middle sister. Um, I don't know why she's there. Like, I don't know why she's <laughs> Listen, as a, as a fellow middle child, I get it. Yeah, that's that's very, that's it. Uh, as, an, <laughs> as the eldest child, uh, 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 one of four, I can also agree. I don't understand what the point of the middle siblings are at all. At all. I don't know what they add to anything. Just to get us to the end, man. Yeah. She's, oh, she's pretentious and serious. And all she does is she, like, wants to proselytize and just quote Bible verses. And she doesn't really do much in the story. It's just, like, whenever a scene is happening, Mary's there to, like, bum everybody out. Got it. Yeah, got it. Like, she's just the Debbie Downer. Yeah. Um, and what is funny, actually, is in the 2005 version, she is played by, um, oh, God, I forget the actress's name, but she plays, <laughs> I don't know anyone's name. She plays Angela in Westworld. Um, and Mary's oh, supposed to be, yeah. yeah, she's, Mary's supposed to be like very homely and kind of just plain and like kind of a bummer, but they have like the most unworldly, beautiful woman playing her. <laughs> they just put her in a broad wig and they're like, look how plain she oh, is. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. no. Tallulah Riley. Yeah, uh, Tallulah Riley. Elise brought that up with all with all the Jane Eyre stuff. That in the mm-hmm. book they talk about Jane Eyre being very homely, but every time they cast her, it's some gorgeous Hollywood Not actress. Not even homely. Like in the book, apparently they just straight up were like, "She's ugly." Yeah, she's. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and then every time they cast her, it's like, "Wow, look at this beautiful woman." <laughs> right, right. Gotta sex it up. Uh, okay, so then there's Kitty and Lydia, and Kitty's seventeen, and Lydia is fifteen. Um, they're kind of always together. They're both like ignorant they're very silly they're big flirts they're kind of wild they don't really have good manners they're still um mr bennett has put a baby in mrs bennett for like every year for like a couple (laughs) years in a row what else are you gonna do at that time they took a little break between (laughs) elizabeth and libby but not that much of a break yeah They have five daughters, which is important because the Bennett estate, it's called Longbourn, it's entailed, which means that it's not going to be passed down to the daughters when Mr. Bennett dies. It's going to go to the closest living male relative. No. Um, So Mr. Bennett, yeah, Mr. Bennett never really saved up money to give his daughters like a dowry or ensure them like good wealth because he always thought that he would have a son and then the son would just take care of the rest of the family. Uh But they never had a son and basically like they don't have dowries. They're not going to have any money once mr bennett dies so, so someone like, needs to get married so that we can give it to a dude that we someone's got to get married yeah. rich yeah em, i'm gonna tell you that so far this is beat for beat the same story as fiddler on the roof this is basically these are all the same beats he's got a bunch of daughters they don't have a dowry how are they gonna find a man 
Well, it's really Jewish. This is a very Jewish story. So it, made, it starts with a guy named Tevya, and he's like, yeah. oh, welcome. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what's happening with the Bennets. Um, so, yeah, they don't have any money, and they have to marry rich. So it, the novel starts with probably one of the most famous lines in literature, which it is... It was the best of times. It was the worst was of times. I was just about to make that joke. God damn it. <laughs> Way to, way to take this book written by a woman and immediately make it like it was written by a man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's the line? The line is, it is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. All right. So, That's yeah. a good line. So, That's a pretty guess, good line. Yeah. yeah, I like that yeah. sentiment. <laughs> right away basically you know that's kind of the point of view of like the town gossips is like anytime a single man comes into town and he's got a little bit of money everyone's like haha marry my daughter which is exactly what happens when a nearby estate called netherfield is finally let it last so someone bought netherfield which is netherfield. Uh, right by longbourn netherfield mm-hmm. sounds like a like a quickly thrown together place in a D game Oh, absolutely. As you, as you traverse the Netherfield, yeah, yeah, you yeah, see yeah, skeletons yeah. rise. <laughs> uh, Netherfield sounds like the Jerry and Newman of this Seinfeld universe. Hello, Neverfield. Like it's never <laughs> they're never invited to the party. But Netherfield is a very nice place. And mm. even nicer is uh, the guy who bought it is named Mr. Bingley. And everyone's super excited because Mr. Bingley is very rich. He has 5,000 pounds a year. Jesus. Um, uh, what a wonderful yeah. segue. This episode brought to you by Microsoft's Bing. Please go check out Bing. <laughs> d- d- don't. <laughs> David, they're paying us lots of money. No, okay? they're not. Why are yes. we going <laughs> to? They sponsored us, Mr. Bingley. The only reason we're doing this story is because it times in with the Bing search engine. And please continue. Well, Microsoft, uh, well... I guess this is us asking to be folded into your mega corporation. <laughs> I'm sponsored by Ask Jeeves. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, um, Bingley has 5,000 a year, which I did look this up once, like British pounds in like the 1830s to current day translated into dollars. That's like 500k a year, just in like passive income. So these are all landed gentry. Like people say that the, uh, the Bennets are poor, but they're poor for like their social class. They're all landed gentry. So like no one has jobs that all the money they have is just either generational wealth or like passive income from owning properties. Right. So Bingley has 5000 a year, uh, which is like nice and nice and comfortable living. And he shows up at a ball and he shows up with his whole posse. So he has his two sisters. One sister is Mrs. Hurst. She's married to a Mr. Hurst. They don't really do much. I'm not going to mention them they're, very they're, often. They're, bo- they're boring married people. I understand. They're there. Yeah, they're there. His other sister, Caroline Bingley, um, who is single and his best friend, Mr. Darcy, Okay, that's a name I recognize from the cultural zeitgeist. (laughs) As you should. Uh, Just picture Colin Firth with mutton chops. It's perfect. I I, I think I've seen many gifts of that. Mm -hmm. It's good. He's the OG. So everyone's gossiping. in the 2005 version? I don't know anyone's name. What movie was he in? What other movies has he been in? Uh, No idea. Tumblr gifts? Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm going to need... I'm not... even when you tell me the actor, I'm not going to know who it is. That's true. You're not. Matthew McFadden. Uh, what else has Matthew McFadden been in? The Three Musketeers, Death at a Funeral, Frost Nixon. Oh, Frost Nixon is probably the biggest one he was in. Oh, he's the Frost Nixon guy. 
<laughs> he's a Frosty Nixon. Wait, is he? Well, he's no, not the... he's not even the main guy in. Okay, Frosty okay, Nixon. No. great. He does okay. European adjacent <laughs> movies. <Cool. laughs> this was one of his big breaks, uh, from what I understand. But, uh, yeah, so everyone's like, oh, sweet, Mr. Darcy is, like, who we want. Mr. Darcy is way richer than Bingley. He has 10000 a year. Oh, shit. Ooh, so, that's, yeah. that's a cool million, baby. That's yeah. a mill, baby. <laughs> so he's very rich, and uh, Miss Bingley, Caroline Bingley, is all over Mr. Darcy's nuts. Like, you yeah. can tell from, like, the first time she is all over him. He yeah, yeah. doesn't seem to be very interested in her, though. So... Mm. Um, they're at the ball. Jane and Bingley hit it uh, off. There's a big party. There's your big dance oh. party, said so. Oh, I knew this party was coming. <laughs> of course. I love it. We're talking the Regency era. That's all we do. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in the Regency era, era, is there any, uh, <laughs> are people allowed to drink and smoke or is that looked down upon? Or is this like a normal social gathering in which those things get to happen? Yeah, people can drink. Um, women didn't smoke because that was like low class, but the men did, but it was like cigars and pipes and stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, people drank, but like, again, the men would like have brandy and the woman, the women would have like champagne or something. Yeah, yeah. Cool. People didn't get like drunky drunk, unless they were older, in which case, like, a few characters do like get drunk and pass out. But <laughs> yeah, there's sure, a couple sure. people, people in the corner doing Jaeger bombs, but they'll be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a very common theme. Actually, you will be rewarded by this dance party over and over and over because that's all they had to do. No yeah. one had jobs. All you want to do is socialize with your neighbors. So there's either a ball or a party happening every other chapter. Right on. And I would also assume that the balls and parties are also sort of like keeping up with the Joneses. So one weekend someone hosts the party and then we have to show how much wealth we have. So this week we're hosting the party and everyone sort of judges along the way. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing to do but dance and gossip. Oh, it's the ideal um, society. (laughs) (laughs) So Jane and Bingley are hitting it off. They're getting along really well. Bingley thinks Jane is just like beautiful and sweet, which she is. Okay. Um, And at one point, uh, Darcy the whole time, he's not dancing. He's not socializing. He's just kind of like sulking in the corner. He's just standing there. He's just brooding Um, like his rich, pretty self. Yeah, he's just brooding. And at one point, Bingley tries to get Darcy to dance because uh, he's just standing there like an asshole. And he's uh, Darcy's like, there's no one I want to dance with. And Bingley goes, well, hey, look, there's Jane's sister, Elizabeth. She's very pretty, don't you think? Why don't you dance with her? And he says, she is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. Ooh. Yeah. She's like a seven. I only do nines and tens. Ooh. Basically. Yeah. And Elizabeth overhears this. And she's like, ouch, but like, whatever. At yeah. this point, she doesn't really like him much. And no one else at the party likes him either. He's not dancing. He's not socializing. He's like, as polite as he needs, as his breeding will let him be. But he's not warm or friendly. And so everyone's like, eh, fuck this guy. We like Bingley again. Also, um, fuck the patriarchy and telling women that they're handsome. Like, what a weird that we also <laughs> compare. Like, the, like, like, that term is used for both. It's just a weird term. Okay. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I would appreciate being called a handsome woman. Uh, em, you are a handsome woman. I will <laughs> say that. I would absolutely say you're a handsome woman. <laughs> you know what? It's, uh, I don't like it now that I hear it. Yeah, I'm yeah, telling see, you, see? it fucking sucks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, basically the whole town, like, doesn't like Darcy, but everyone likes Bingley, because Bingley is basically like a human golden retriever. He just, he likes everybody, he's super friendly, he's really warm, he's pleased with everything. So, day after the dance, Elizabeth is talking to her neighbor and her best friend, Charlotte, Charlotte Lucas, 
and uh, I'll, I'll be you know, kind of best friend of the protagonist <laughs> in a book. She's gonna <laughs> well, catch a disease that we've cured. Well, there's three other friends as well. There's Charlotte, Miranda, and I think Samantha's in there as well. They'll all come in. Well, Charlotte is very practical, actually. So, well, that's good. There you go. There's a parallel. Um, so they're kind of gossiping about uh, the ball and what happened. And uh, Elizabeth says that she will never dance with Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Dope. So foreshadowing. So uh, Charlotte and Elizabeth are talking about Jane. And, uh, oh, Jane and Bingley really got along well. And Charlotte says that Jane um, should act like she likes Bingley even more than she does. She should show more interest even than she feels if she's going to, like, secure Bingley. Yeah. Right. And lock, Elizabeth lock is down. like... Yeah, Elizabeth is like, even if she doesn't know how she feels about him yet, and Charlotte's like, yeah, especially if she doesn't know how she feels. Marriage is purely like a practical institution. You shouldn't even know about the defects of your partner before you're married. Like, tell her to lock that shit down. You will have 15 years of forced breeding to learn to love your husband. There's plenty of time to figure out what you guys like about each other. Yeah. And Elizabeth is like, shitty take, but okay, whatever, agree to disagree. <laughs> sure. And uh, Jane is very demure. She's very shy. And so Elizabeth can tell that Jane really likes Bingley, but mm. Jane, like, no one else would be able to tell just because she's so, like, shy and polite. So the Bennets and uh, Bingley and company basically see each other at a few more parties. Uh, again, there's nothing to do. We have a ball. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> Jane and Bingley continue to be cute. They continue to talk and get to know each other, and they like each other a lot. Um, and Darcy starts to like Elizabeth the more he sees of her. He kind of listens in on some conversations, like, you know, overhears some things. No, he he already to like her. her out of hand. Fuck this Listen, guy. He, she is funny and witty, David, and the more I hear her musings from across the room, I like her even more. Yeah, but when you first saw her, you were like, eh, pass. Like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, um, at one point, he comments that Elizabeth has fine eyes, and he says that to Caroline Bingley, who, as we know, is, like, all over Mr. Darcy. So she just gets, like, obsessed with this and can't let it go, and every time she talks about the Bennet, she's like, oh, and Elizabeth's fine eyes, trying to, like, tease Mr. Darcy out of it. I like that. I like that as a pickup line. I would like. I, I would. I would. If someone were to tell me I have fine eyes, I'd be like, "Tell me more." Santel, you, you have are fine a eyes, Santel. Okay. You're a handsome woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let you know. The other, when you turn that around, I will take that. That is the best compliment I have heard in a fucking year. I am a handsome woman. Thank you very much. A handsome woman with fine eyes. With fine yeah. fucking eyes. Over and here. I'm just gonna guess here. Ample bosom. Oh, David, don't talk yeah, about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> um, so Caroline Bingley and Mrs. Hurst, so the Bingley sisters, um, mm-hmm. they invite Jane to Netherfield. So while Jane is getting to know Bingley, she's also getting to know his sisters. They think she's a very sweet girl. They don't really like the rest of the Bennets, um, but they like Jane. And, and you'll and you'll sort of put up with that, right? You don't see them that often. We're only talking a couple dances and maybe some family gatherings, but like we can deal with those people we don't like. Yeah, exactly. So, and like, they don't love Jane, but they like, they like her enough. So they're, right. they invite She's her over sweet, to Netherfield. And at least probably seems like she won't be a, a problem. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, Mrs. Bennett makes Jane go over to Netherfield on horseback rather than taking the carriage because it's going to rain. And then she's like, then you'll have to stay the night. Because they won't let you ride back oh, in the rain. Oh, tricky, tricky. Again, this is you her might, whole purpose is to get her daughter's married. They see you in your, in your sleeping garments. 
<laughs> well, it's not even necessarily that saucy. Like in the letter, she learns that uh, Mr. Bingley is like going to be dining somewhere else that night. And so Mrs. Oh. Bennett is just like, okay, well, you'll have to stay the night. That way you'll be there and you'll get to have breakfast with Mr. Bingley the next morning. Uh. However, this plan works too well. It starts raining while Jane is on her way over and no. she gets violently ill. Oh, no. Shit. Yeah. David, you're right about the mysterious disease. <laughs> it's like pneumonia. It's like going to be like pneumonia. And then, yeah. God damn it. They, they don't say what it is, but it's like a terrible cold and fever and stuff. So she's got like a cold or the flu or something. Yeah. And she's bedridden. Um, so they write, she writes to Elizabeth and is like, hey, I'm super sick. I can't travel. I'm going to stay here at Netherfield until I recover. And Elizabeth is like, well, I got to go see Jane. I'm going to go check on my sister. Yeah, good. So Netherfield is three miles from Longbourn, and Elizabeth loves walking. She loves getting exercise, so she go, goes ahead and just walks three miles over to Netherfield. Which is like um, probably not very ladylike, yes? Not very ladylike. She gets stuck, like mud on her stockings. She's kind of flushed from the exercise, and so the Bingley sisters are just scandalized by this. The, They're the, like, the, wow. The, the ground sucked for most of people's existence, right? Like all of that. Oh yeah, it's like, not like asphalt. It's not paved. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it's all just dirt and mud, and, and it just rained shit. recently, so it's wet. Right. This has got to be a bad road. The ground just sucks for most of the past. Yeah, and so she's just <laughs> tromping through the mud, and she shows up like all muddy and flushed, like hoping to see her sister. So everyone's kind of scandalized by this, and uh, but Mr. Bingley thinks it's sweet that. Elizabeth cares so much about her sister because, again, he's awesome and adorable and we love him. So uh, Elizabeth stays at Netherfield while Jane is recovering. And the next couple of days are basically a series of witty conversations between Elizabeth and Darcy. Okay. Like did she has have, to socialize with them. And Did they have clothes there for them? How are they? Did they bring yeah, suitcases? Probably. Yeah, they sent for her things. Like she shows up and says, oh, yeah, Jane's not good. I think I need to stay with her. And Bingley's like, OK, I'll send my manservant to go get your clothes. Crazy. Okay, continue. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, they live in this huge estate, so they've got like 17 spare rooms. Right. That What's just, care? Yeah, like they'll never even see her. But she does actually have to socialize with them like after dinner. And so it's basically conversations between Elizabeth and Darcy and Caroline Bingley is basically trying to undermine Elizabeth at every turn okay. um, and is basically being a bitch to her. So at what's one like, point... What's like one of the notable like barbs that she throws... Oh, so there's uh, a conversation. So Bingley at one point mentions that um, so many women are so accomplished because they like speak languages and they know how to play piano and sing mm -hmm. and like cover screens and paint and et cetera, et cetera. And Mr. Darcy says like, oh, well, that doesn't make an accomplished woman. Here's what I think makes an accomplished woman. She also needs to like do this, this and that. And Elizabeth says, well, God, if that's your standard for an accomplished woman, I'm surprised that you even know, like, six of them, because that's kind of impossible. She's, like, calling out his impossible standards yeah, yeah, yeah. for, like, a woman. Um, and then Caroline is like, oh, I know many women that are like that, and basically goes, she's trying to, like, undervalue her own sex to appeal to the opposite sex, which is, like, a very mean art. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's basically saying like, oh, maybe you run in like shittier circles, but I know plenty <laughs> of women that are like that. So you stop shit talking other women just because you don't know any good ones. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yikes. Yeah. The claws are out to scratch. <laughs> but it's very restrained in English. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a good point where there is a, a fun part where 
Mrs. Uh, or Miss Bingley's trying to get Darcy's attention, but he's like reading or he's writing a letter and like it's not paying attention to her. So she gets up and starts walking around the room to like get his attention. He doesn't look. So she goes over to Elizabeth and is like, come take a turn about the room with me. It's so refreshing. <laughs> and so they're just like pacing around the room. And uh, she's like, oh, will you join us, Mr. Darcy? And he says, oh, well, that would defeat the point of what you're doing. And Elizabeth is like, okay, don't care what that means. Doesn't matter. But <laughs> Caroline's like, oh, we insist on knowing your meaning. And he goes, well, there's two reasons you'd be walking around together around the room. One, you are sharing secrets with each other, in which case you don't want me there. Or two, you know that your figures look more attractive when you're walking, in which case I could admire you from here. Oh, god damn. Yeah, the, so the he's second- a- the second one is a fat jab, right? Because your body looks better in motion. No, I like, think he's saying just like, you know how I like to watch you walk. Like, I can get a better view of you lovely ladies if I were to just sit here and watch you parade for me instead of walking yeah. with you. I don't and think he's, he's saying that, like, he's not saying not like, like, you you're look a, dumpy when you're, you're not moving. Like, I don't a, think that's what he means. <laughs> you're a dumpy fat face and you're no, only I don't, I don't think that's moving. what he means. I think if it's you ever like stop the, moving, it's when I see the truth of your silhouette. No, I think it's kind of like the um, hate, what is it, hate to watch him leave but love to watch him walk away kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's saying like, you know you look cute when you're walking and if you want me to like appreciate how cute you look i have a better view from here yeah. listen so, i'm not a scholarly a i'm not a scholarly man so i appreciate you uh learning me what that actually <laughs> meant because i was like god damn you just it's called like, that lady fat to her no, face. it's like it's like a high level flirt he's it's, okay, it's, okay. It's, it's essentially flirting yeah okay, okay yeah okay. it's the first time that he's shown any real personality besides like the required formalities yeah sure, like sure, sure. okay he's making a little joke all right so at one point, uh, one day, Mrs. Bennett and Lydia and Kitty show up at Netherfield to, like, check on Jane and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And they stay for a little while and just make complete fools of themselves. Like, they're just being generally cringy. Mrs. Bennett has, uh, was not well-bred. And, like, they all just have really bad manners and are make fools of themselves. And then they leave. Got it. So Jane recovers. Elizabeth and Jane leave Netherfield. At this point, Darcy is starting to really like Elizabeth. And he thinks to himself, like, oh, it's a good thing, like, she's not a marriage prospect for me because of her, like, low connections. Otherwise, Uh, I might really be in some trouble here. So he's, like, becoming uh, attracted to her, but still doesn't actually consider her. still fucking dick, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Good thing she's below me or I'd want to be with her. Yeah. (laughs) That's Yeah, that's exactly what he thinks. And Elizabeth is like, I am so glad to be away from that house and Mr. Darcy. Yeah. So... Uh, Mr. Bennett's cousin, so the next day, uh, or a couple days later, Mr. Bennett announces that his cousin, Mr. Collins, uh, is coming to visit. So Mr. Collins is who is going to inherit Longbourn after Mr. Bennett dies. Oh. Yeah. So Mr. Collins comes to visit the Bennetts. Um, he is described as a mixture of servility and self-importance. Uh, he's a clergyman, and his favorite thing is telling people about his patroness, Lady Catherine de Bourgh. And Mr. Who's, Collins is a great character. Is Lady Catherine de Bourgh a god or a real lady? No, it's <laughs> a real lady. You said that he was. You said he was a clergyman. Is this? Is he part of some lady cult? What is? Who is this? Is she just the lady that pays she's for a everything? Patroness. Yeah, she's his patroness. So he like lives on her property, and she kind of like finances his humble lifestyle. Again, I appreciate you guys helping me dig through this literature. It's is dense. she a god? She, does he worship her? And he's like, you know, that story's at a different level. Does that take Jesus, a left turn into the metaphysical here? That Jesus fella doesn't have all the answers. Have you heard of Catherine de Bois? Like, <laughs> 
Yeah, okay, Lady okay, Catherine cool. de Berg is de very... Berg. Yeah, de Berg. Uh, and in the BBC version, he always says her name, Lady Catherine de Berg. Yeah, That's okay. Great. <laughs> so, Mr. Collins, basically, he wants to get married. Lady Catherine de Berg told him, like, go find a wife. And he kind of feels bad that he's going to inherit Longbourn. So he's like, well, I may as well marry one of the Bennett daughters. Then I can, like, have oh, a wife. And, and, and then... they can stay in their family. That's kind of... Yeah. For, the, for the time, I suppose that's a nice thought. Thank you, Mr. Collins. That's some very sensible thinking. Yeah, uh, but he is not a sensible man. All he does uh, is paddle on and on and on about anything. Yeah, um, He's basically insufferable, uh, but he's a delightful character. Uh, so at first he likes Jane, uh, but Mrs. Bennett tells him, like, hey, Jane's probably going to be engaged soon because she and Bingley have been really hitting it off, but yeah. uh, Elizabeth is single. So he kind of goes, boop, boop, and just switches to Elizabeth and is like, that's who I love now. So he basically attaches himself to Jane, uh, and he just makes himself a total pest. Which she uh, loves, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. Can't get right up her alley, it. a clingy, talkative man. Yeah. <laughs> who only wants to talk about, like, his patroness. Um, like, he says that he's twice been invited to dine at Rosings Park, which is where Lady Catherine de Berg lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, been were like basically working for her for a very long time and lives like on her property. Yeah, but she's but, only like, invited him to dinner twice. Like, yeah. twice. <laughs> uh, if any rich people are listening and you would like me to live on your property, please send all oh. of your resumes to at the Storytime Pod <laughs> and uh, let me yeah. find out. I'll look at what you, your house is like. Either one of us would be a wonderful little. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he just lives over there. I'm not really sure what he does. Like we you were perfect only, for that role. Right. You only have to have us over <laughs> twice for dinner, and I will only speak kind words about you for the rest of my life. And knowing Santel, he'll clean the dishes after dinner. I want you to have a clean <laughs> home, David, okay? Oh, speaking of which, actually, you wouldn't have to because you would have servants. But Mr. Collins, at one point, while they're eating dinner, he compliments the dinner and he asks which of the Bennett daughters made it. Mm. And Mrs. Bennett is like, uh, we can keep a cook, thanks very much. <laughs> oh like, we're not God. that poor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so very insulting, very yeah, insulting. yeah. So, um, meanwhile, Kitty and Lydia, the two youngest Bennett daughters, they're super excited because some officers are stationed in town. Like, the army is just stationed in town. Everybody, when you're, when you're like a young woman, everyone loves a good soldier boy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they're 15 and 17, and some handsome redcoats are just like swarming around Meriton, which is like the nearby town. So all they're doing is coughing and flirting. Gossiping and flirting. Right. And then also in a time where marriage is such a transaction that has sort of real world consequences, marrying a soldier is easy. He's probably going to die. We'll just bang this out a couple of times, try this marriage thing on, and then I can find another one in a couple of years. There you go. <laughs> but what if he survives and becomes like a grumpy old general? Oh, David, that's when, that's when things get tricky. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, one day during Mr. Collins' visit, um, he walks with the Bennett sisters into town, and they meet Denny, who's a soldier friend of Kitty and Lydia. Um, so Denny, Denny. Inter- good old uh, Denny. I'm going to make a mid-story prediction right now. We're going to find out at some point that Denny died on the front lines. Oh no, David! <laughs> don't say that. We're gonna. We're gonna. No, um, I always imagine just Denny from the room. His <laughs> <laughs> name changes anyway. Sure. So it's Denny from the room. Uh, he introduces them to a handsome officer named Mr. Wickham. Mm. And Mr. Wickham is very charming and very polite and very handsome. Um, and so Elizabeth's like, hello, like, who's this guy? 
And while they're chatting, Bingley and Darcy ride by on their horses to like, and they see Jane and Elizabeth, so they stop to say hi. And Bingley's like, oh, you're so well recovered. And just being a golden retriever. <laughs> and uh, Elizabeth notices that Darcy and Wickham see each other and like kind of both look really uncomfortable and kind of angry. Oh. And they're very cold to each other. She and Darcy sees, just kind of rides off. She sees the uh, the eyeing up and down, the like, the yeah. Instant, yeah. like dick measuring contest they're doing with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like definitely some tension. Darcy kind of rides off, and she's like, "Huh, interesting." But we don't know any <laughs> answers about that yet. Okay, so it's Regency times. We're all rich. No one has jobs. What time do we do? For a party. Time, time for a party. <laughs> I put so, my hands up. It's Regency time. The horses are put away. Pour in the champagne. Men drink little snippers of brandy. <laughs> That's very accurate. <laughs> so um, this is this party is being held by Mrs. Bennett's sister, Mrs. Phillips. Um, she lives in town and invites everyone to a party, um, including like all the officers. So Elizabeth and Wickham uh, talk at the party and Wickham tells Elizabeth uh, the story. He says like, hey, you probably noticed like earlier today that Darcy and I like had, you know, it was kind of odd. She's like, I did notice that. What's up with it? <laughs> what's up with that? Yeah, what's up with that? And uh, he basically is like, well, do you, like, how do you feel about Mr. Darcy? And she's like, I don't like him, and neither does anyone else here. He's so, a prick. Dish. We all hate him. She Tell me more shit. She says it in some really cool way of, like, he is, without a doubt, the single <laughs> worst human man I've ever laid eyes upon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm from I'm so, from the Southwest Wales. Uh. Oh, perfect! Yeah. Wonderful Southwest Wales accent. So Wickham tells Elizabeth that he and Darcy grew up together. Um, Wickham's mm. father was Mr. Darcy's father's, like the elder Mr. Darcy's steward. Okay, and uh, the elder Mr. Darcy loved Wickham like a second son. And left him some money in his will, and Mr. Wickham wanted to join the clergy. Like, he wanted to join the church and needed money to, like, get started on that. Interesting. And Mr. Darcy, who was jealous of the love that Wickham got from his father, found a loophole in the will to basically not give him any money. And just, like, cut him out of the will, left him destitute. So Wickham had to join the army. He makes a cool (laughs) mill a year, and he's still fucking with other people's money. Daddy issues makes you do things. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So Wickham is destitute and, like, had to join the army. But he's like, you know what? It's not so bad. Like, my fellow officers are excellent men. You know, I get to kind of see the world. And, like, right now I don't have reason to complain because I'm meeting amazing people. And so she's like, ooh. before, Before all of this, I thought killing men would be difficult. But now I do it on the daily and it doesn't bother me anymore <laughs> to think no, of life without killing men this is so much better in existence <laughs> yeah so Elizabeth is like okay we like Wickham and fuck Darcy yeah okay um so then also uh, though like pretty pretty solid like tactic on Wickham's side to like slide in and be like hey by the way I know that guy and he's a real asshole anyway yeah. I'm I'm full of selfless service and right. moving on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's a he's a sly one. I he's wanted a, to serve God, but I couldn't, so now I serve the country. Whoops. Whoops, yeah. <laughs> but I'm taking it on the chin. Yeah. yeah. Totally. You, you gotta, like, kind of go, okay, why is he telling her, like, this sob story when they just met? That's a little, but Well, whatever. for that last bit, that last bit of, well, I get to meet interesting people, which I take to be a sort of flirt as, like, you mm-hmm. are an interesting person. Right. Yeah, it was all worth it for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll kill, I'll kill 60 <laughs> Huns for you. 
So that was at the dinner party. Uh, so we've had a dinner party, but what haven't we had in a few days? Dance a party! A ball! <laughs> I throw my hands up, we're going to a ball, the horses are put away! <laughs> This Party time the ball. The, pre-USA. <laughs> <laughs> the ruler of the pre-USA. Yeah. Well, no, it was eighteen thirty, so we were around. Oh, we were USA. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Party yeah. in the former USA. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, kind of. It doesn't yeah, work. Okay, kinda. it doesn't work. I just tried to fit it in. It's okay. We'll workshop it later, David. <laughs> so this ball is being held by Mister Bingley. Um, Elizabeth shows up, and all the officers are invited, so Elizabeth shows up, and she's looking for Wickham, but Wickham's not there. Uh-oh. Um, and Denny is like, I think Wickham's not here because of Mr. Darcy. And she's like, oh, oh that's a I thought he wasn't here because he got deployed to the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just so, worried, really worried for all of our soldier friends. <laughs> yeah, I know. What war was even going on at the time? I, I don't know. Uh, the 1830s. There was like a thousand wars between yeah. France Napole- and Germany. Yeah. And, Napoleon yeah. was fucking running around with his big cock trying to take over everything. So I'm sure England was trying one of those wars. That's where we got the Louisiana Purchase. When, yeah. David, Google when we bought Louisiana. When was the Louisiana Purchase? You we know, bought that off of him because he couldn't afford anything. Yeah, it's like 1830. Hmm. In the BBC version, Elizabeth kind of jokingly asks the colonel if they're defending Hertfordshire from the French. Right, and he says, okay. like, oh, no, we're just here to train and, like, chill for the winter. Uh, the, yeah, I thought so. It, the Louisiana Purchase was 1803, so this would have been, like, 20 to 30 years after mm, okay. that. So he might so be on his... slightly post-Napoleon. Sure. So he might be on his Sicily Island or whatever it is, you know, living Elba. in his... Uh, yeah, Elba. there you go. Okay, okay. Mm. Okay, so we're at the ball. Yeah. Uh, Wickham's not there. Um, Elizabeth has to dance with Mr. Collins because he asks her, like, oh, will you give me the first two dances? And she's like, ugh. <laughs> and he, and, and, like, not even will you give me the pleasure of the first dance. It's will you fucking, can I lock you down for two dances? Two dances. <laughs> and he, like, can't dance. He keeps messing it up. And he's, like, not a good dance partner. So, like, she's having a terrible time. Oh, also, Darcy asks her to dance. And she vowed never to dance with Mr. Darcy, right. but she's like so caught off guard that she says yes because she couldn't uh. think of an excuse. And it's also so a good she's excuse, Darcy. right? But now it's a good excuse to also get away from Collins. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, How is Darcy as a dancer? Probably really uh, good. He's probably perfectly bred and really great at it. Yeah, he's a really good dancer, but he's like not talking. So uh, <laughs> she's and she's like feeling that, awkward that about it. That doesn't bode well for the bedroom. I bet he just lays there. He just lays there. Just no, I never, <laughs> straight as a board. I never thought about that, that while dancing is a moment that you can be in front of everyone but have that intimacy of a private conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And that if he was at all interested, this would be the moment I could whisper sweet well, nothings why, to you. That's why in every like ballroom scene in like every movie or every show I've ever seen one in – Anytime, there's a, it's always like literally this is for a one-on-one conversation. Even Listen, though we're in, I know I've seen the trope, but I've never thought about it before. Of I gotta steal a dance away from you. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. So she's like trying to chat with him a little bit, and he's like being again polite but not warm and not conversational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So she does kind of like just to poke at him. She mentions Wickham, uh, and just Mr. Darcy see, just is to like, see what he does. Just to, just to fuck with him a little bit. And uh, so, like, Darcy seems a little bothered, but again, is polite and nothing more. And the dance is over. So Jane has basically been doing some recon with Bingley. Um, Elizabeth was like, hey, Jane, 
you are like in with that crowd, like see if you can find out more about Wickham and Darcy and what happened mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And Jane comes back and is like, Mr. Bingley knows what, like knows that Wickham and Darcy are not friends. He doesn't know the whole story, but he knows that like Wickham it was the bad guy. And Elizabeth's like, oh, how convenient. Yeah, okay, there's no, but, like, no details. He doesn't know, like, all he heard from Darcy is Wickham's a bad guy. Okay, well, of course he's just going to believe his friend, and he knows nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Whatever, fuck that guy. Okay. So she's like, okay, well, she's heard that from, like, he's heard that from Darcy. I, I know what's going on. So at the ball, the Bennets completely embarrass themselves. Uh, Mr. Collins finds out that Mr. Darcy is Lady Catherine de Bourgh's nephew. So his patroness, like Mr. Darcy's aunt, is Mr. Collins' patroness, Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Oh, um, shit. We yeah. basically best friends. <laughs> In his mind. Exactly. Yeah. Mr. Collins is not of Mr. Darcy's social class. And at that time, you didn't just go up and start talking to someone of a higher yeah. social class. Then you had to be introduced and then you could make conversation. So without being properly introduced, he just walks up to Mr. Darcy and is like, hey, I know your aunt. <laughs> Darcy's like, uh, who are you? Right. Uh, ugh, which is like super, it reflects really badly on the Bennets because he like, it totally embarrasses himself. Mrs. Bennett starts bragging about Jane and Bingley, like, really loudly, and people are mm. hearing where she's like, ooh, he's going to propose soon. I just know it. Super no. embarrassing. <sighs> uh, Mary Bennett, again, why is she even there? Why is she, uh, she even there? This is the first the time we've talked about her in 40 minutes. What is she yeah. doing? <laughs> she plays the piano and sings just terribly and, like, uh, bums everybody out. Look, yeah. I know what uh, that's like. I've been, that's, that was my quarantine thing was getting back into learning the piano. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, did, she probably did some religious song. Yeah. Right? Yeah. She was like, everyone come gather around. I put my hands up. Oh, Jesus Christ. He is my savior and Lord. He died for our people on earth. But mostly the, the USA. <laughs> and it bumped everyone out because they're in England. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happens at the rest of the ball. Basically, like the whole Bennett clan just totally embarrasses themselves. And Elizabeth is like, oh, God, my fucking family. Yeah. Um. So the next morning, she's like feeling super embarrassed. She had to dance with Mr. Darcy and Mr. Collins, she didn't get to see Wickham. Like, she's having a terrible time. Mm-hmm. It can't get much worse. Oh, but then it does. Yeah. Because... Oh, no. It starts Mr. raining again. <laughs> <laughs> Even worse, Mr. Collins, like, corners her and proposes. Oh. And she, she declines. Yeah, she turns him down, and she's, like, very nice. She's like, I, I am honored by your proposal, but I cannot accept it. No, thank you. And Mr. Collins just, like, won't take no for an answer. He's going, oh, you're playing hard to get. And I know that you really <laughs> want to say yes, but you're saying no because you have to pretend to be demure. And, like, you don't, you don't need to drop those, like, you can drop those pretensions because once we're married, da-da-da-da-da. And she's Oof. like, oh. I've already so, got a lesson pegged for lessons. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's terrible. And then finally he realizes that she's actually turning him down. And there's a big kerfuffle. Mrs. Bennett is pissed off at Elizabeth. Like, it would have been actually, like, a prudent match. Like, he's a clergyman. He's got a very noble patroness. Like, she has no money. Like, it would have actually been sensible. But Elizabeth is like, Right. Does he instantly go like, well, there's nothing for me here. And then his eyes go right to Kitty. Does he go right to the next daughter? (laughs) You'll find out what happens. (laughs) I was right! (laughs) (laughs) So Elizabeth sees Mr. Wickham in town a few days later, um, and he walks her home and meets her family and is generally charming. They shit talk Mr. Darcy some more. 
and they have more conversations. And Elizabeth is really starting to like Mr. Wickham. Yeah. Um, and then Jane gets a letter from uh, Caroline Bingley saying like, hey, we left Netherfield. We're going to London. We're probably going to be there for a long time. Bye. They've just peaced out. Oh, wow. no. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's over. Yeah. And so she's super bummed. And then Elizabeth learns that Mr. Collins proposed to her best friend, Charlotte Lucas. Oh, and Charlotte no! Lucas Charlotte. accepted. Oh, of course she did. God well, damn it, Charlotte. I mean, if that's if that works for both of them, then it works for both of them. We say, oh, no, but like, why? We, I know. She's very, she's very sensible. I've always said it. She's very sensible. Mm-hmm. And she's 27, so she's just oh, she an old maid. She needs to get yeah. married. She yeah. needs to get married. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly why. Like, you know, from her earlier conversation with Elizabeth, we know Charlotte is just very practical about marriage. She, like... She's like, mm. I, she says that she has as equal a chance of being happy with Mr. Collins as she does with anyone else. This it, is like, probably the best living. opportunity she's gotten and yeah. might get, so she's going to take it. Yep, exactly. So Elizabeth is super bummed because she's like, Mr. Collins is like the stupidest man we've ever met. <laughs> like, Charlotte is so smart and nice. Like, oh, that's upsetting. And yeah. Charlotte is like, don't get all high and mighty on me. <laughs> like, yeah. dude, right. I got to do what I got to do. Right. So then Jane gets another letter from Miss Bingley basically saying, oh, yeah, we're staying in London um, and we're going to meet Mr. Darcy's sister, Georgiana, um, who Uh-oh. I think is going to marry my brother, Mr. Bingley. And so Bingley is basically going to be engaged to someone else and we're never coming back. Bye. Ugh. So Oof. like Double now peace. everyone's sad. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's sad. And then, and then Mary walks in the room. They're like, get out of here, Mary. There's no more sadness to be had right now. <laughs> get out of here. You're not needed here. Uh, great. I yeah. mean, not great. Bad, but... Yeah, but... <laughs> bad, but great. Uh, but maybe there's a little bit of hope, because Jane goes to visit Mrs. Bennett's brother and sister-in-law, the gardeners, in London. Um, they come down for the, like, the but holidays. that's where the Bingleys are. Yeah, right. and Jane, like, kind of goes back with them to visit them in London, hoping to see Bingley. So she writes to Caroline and is like, hey, I'm in London. Like, let's visit. So she visits Caroline. Caroline is, like, really cold to her. Yeah. And during the visit makes it clear that, like, Bingley knows she's in town but doesn't really care to see her. It's like, Uh oh, he's just busy. Like, he's not making you a priority. She returns Jane's visit, like, three weeks later and, like, stays for ten minutes and then leaves. And so Jane is like, okay, it's very clear that this family wants nothing to do with me. Like, Bingley knows I'm here and he doesn't care. I'm bummed. Oh, that's poor sweet. That poor, poor sweet angel. She's I know just, that poor sweet angel. She's just a poor, poor sweet angel. She didn't she deserve this. Deserve it. That's no. Pike, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then the misfortunes just keep coming because then Elizabeth learns that Wickham is actually going to be engaged soon to a Miss King, who uh, Miss King is very rich. Who's Miss so, King? Just some random girl some that we've never heard of before. Woman. And yeah, I, just some woman in town. And I feel bad. I feel bad because it feels like people's actual emotional feelings towards people always take a back seat to here's a guy that got fucked out of a will and that lifestyle. Now he found a rich girl and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go this way. I don't want to be in the army. This, like This he, is my ticket back in. Yep. Just, mm-hmm. so, just, like, uh, just like Charlotte, like, don't be mad at me. I got a way out of this, right? I don't want the – the streets are shitty, you guys. What are you supposed <laughs> to do? The laundry bills must be up through the fucking roof. I get it. <laughs> so, yeah, it, I mean, exactly. And that's kind of what Elizabeth thinks. She's like, well – 
I, she's bummed, but she's not heartbroken. She's like, right. I get it. Like, he needs money. If this really rich woman, you know, like, if they can be happy together and he can make lots of money, like, good on him. Eh, bummer, but I wasn't really, I guess I wasn't yeah. really in love because I'm not heartbroken. Right. Yeah. So, Elizabeth travels with uh, Charlotte's dad, Sir William Lucas, to go visit Charlotte and Mr. Collins. Um, so, at this point, Charlotte has married Mr. Collins and they live on his property in Rosings. So um, weird. So awkward. Let's go live in this weirdness, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's go live in this random cottage, like, next to a huge estate. So, she goes out to go visit her. And uh, she sees, like, how they live. And Charlotte is, like, content but not happy. Yep. She's... Like, she barely sees Mr. Collins, and she kind of likes it that way. She encourages him to, like, kind of be as far away from her as possible. <laughs> like, it's obvious that she's, like, content, but not happy. And Elizabeth yeah. is like, ugh, man. Um, but now that uh, Mr. Collins is married, Lady Catherine de Bourgh is, like, all about having them over. So they dine uh. at Rosings, like, three times a week now. They have, like, nothing else to do except dine with Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Listen, there's a new woman on the grounds. She's not going to try to not make girlfriends with her, right? Like, <laughs> someone to talk with. Uh, and I would also assume that, like, now that he's a married man, there's no... You can have him over as much as you want. There's no... the People aren't going like, to be like, what's going on? Yeah. Why do they have him over all the time? No, nah, they're having dinner. He's got a wife yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. He's a company man. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Lady Catherine de Bourgh is pretentious and she is snobby and she when she first meets elizabeth she like asks her all these questions about her upbringing and then like insults the shit out of her of like your younger daughters are out in society like your younger sisters are out in society before any of the elder daughters are married like that's terrible oh you never had a governess ew like basically right. insults her <laughs> to her face um and lady catherine de Bourgh has a daughter um, who is sickly and cross and she doesn't really say much like the whole book, but she's just kind of an ill-tempered, very sickly little thing. Sure. And Elizabeth <laughs> learns that she and Mr. Darcy, like Lady Catherine de Bourgh's daughter and Mr. Darcy are kind of like intended to be married. Like when they were kids, their families were like, ah, these two are going to yeah, get yeah, married yeah. one day. Which is and all fun like, and games Ooh. until you find out that she's all gross and sick and got scoliosis, right? Well, but also that's his aunt's daughter. So his cousin. Yeah. I mean, I know that's normal. Not though, unusual. Like, that, yeah. That's totally normal in this world. I'm just saying. I'm just okay. saying. <laughs> yeah. It's totally normal in this world. Um, but yeah, so Elizabeth kind of chuckles about that to herself. She's like, well, they deserve each other. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, good for him. <laughs> so then, actually, speaking of Darcy, he and his other, co he and his cousin, Colonel Fitzwilliam, come to visit Lady Catherine, um, paying a visit to the aunt. And over the next few days, while everyone's there, there's more witty conversations between Elizabeth and Darcy. Mm -hmm. Darcy likes Elizabeth more. Elizabeth dislikes Darcy more. <laughs> um, so he's, like, getting more respect for her. And she's, like, getting less respect for him, like, the more she talks to him. And at one point, Elizabeth is talking to Colonel Fitzwilliam. And Colonel Fitzwilliam says, oh, yeah, Darcy said that he saved a friend from an imprudent marriage. And she's like, what are you talking about? Oh, yeah, Darcy told me that a friend of his was about to be engaged to someone, but he, like, didn't like the lady, that she, like, wasn't the right social class, and so he broke them up, and he was oh, bragging about no. it to me. Did he break up Jane yeah. and Mr. Bingley? Yeah, so she Elizabeth realizes that Darcy basically convinced Bingley to move away and, that like, broke up Jane and Mr. Bingley. Son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, I'm that's too... the reason. 
I'm too filled with rage. I don't think we can continue this episode any longer. I feel like I have to step away for a how little much, bit. How much left to is in deal the with story? my rage? I I will tell you the next plot point, and then that is a perfect place to stop because that's right. actually halfway point in the miniseries anyway. Oh, I'm gonna great. let you know right now. My head is a boiling. I'm about to He's seeing red. He's seeing red everywhere. So yeah, so is Elizabeth. She is like. Fuck this guy. Like, yeah. not only is he just, like, rude and annoying, and he hurt Mr. Wickham, and he's yeah. terrible, like, now it's personal. He, like, so upset my sister's happiness. She sets his house on fire. I was gonna <laughs> she say. She sets his house on fire. <laughs> she should be, like, John Wicket and go in there and kill everybody. Yeah. So, here's what happens. He shows up the next day. Like, mm-hmm. she's alone, and he just shows up to visit, and she's like, why are you here? You know, like, what's happening? Um, and then he proposes to her. Of course Darcy he proposes does. to Elizabeth. Oh, of course he does. And it's the worst proposal ever. So I will, I'll read that. Um, uh, yeah. Jane Austen doesn't like give you the text of the whole proposal, but I'll read you that paragraph because it's okay. awful and amazing. In vain I have struggled. It will not do. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. Elizabeth's astonishment was beyond expression. She stared, colored, doubted, and was silent. This he considered sufficient encouragement, and the avowal of all that he felt, and had long felt for her, immediately followed. He spoke well, but there were feelings besides those of the heart to be detailed, and he was not more eloquent on the subject of tenderness than of pride. His sense of her inferiority, of its being a degradation, of the family obstacles which had always opposed to inclination, were dwelt on with a warmth which seemed due to the consequence he was wounding, but was very unlikely to recommend his suit. So basically, during his proposal, he says, like, I love you. Here's a bunch of the reasons why I shouldn't. Your family's ridiculous. <laughs> You're lower in social class than me. Like, in his mind, he's thinking, like, oh, this proves how much I love her. But he's basically being like, yeah. You're trash. Your family's trash. You're all ridiculous. But somehow but we can get I like you anyway. Yeah. Somehow you still <laughs> Despite look good. all your flaws, I think you're cute. Yeah. And so Elizabeth basically is like, a gut fuck yourself. And here's why. Like, I know what you did to Jane. I know what you did to Wickham. That Mm. was a shitty ass proposal. Like, get the hell out of my face. And so he leaves. Yeah. That's that's the end of that chapter. Uh, Her mother will be furious when she finds out about this. Everyone is going to be fucking livid with her. Uh, I will let you know by this halfway point, I now understand the title of Pride and Prejudice. The pride <laughs> everyone feels in themselves and their status and you know their own person and the prejudice they have for this weird social structure where it's like they're rich they're just not as rich so fuck your weird family. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I will make oh. a Jane Austen fan of you yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Listen, I'm, I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I also forget about all the f- flowery language. I have to think yeah. about that more in these in these sequences in these yeah, yeah, sequences, yeah. if you will. All right, David. Yep. Let's go to lessons. Woo! Lessons. Okay, I have one that I mentally bookmarked from the middle of the story so far. Sure. Uh, and I, in this particular case, it's addressed to like I guess men, but in general, this is just a general lesson. No means no. Yes. When, when Mr. Collins proposed to her and she's like, no. And he's like, oh, you don't mean no. No, she meant no, man. Like, <laughs> when you ask someone, hey, do you want to go out? Or, hey, you want to make out? And they're like, no. You can be like, okay. 
That's it. That's all. Yeah, pause. Yeah, that's it. A lesson that stands out to me, and it came up a couple times in the episode, but. Miley Cyrus is a national treasure and should be treated as such. She has added so much to our pop culture. I just feel like she doesn't get enough praises sung her way. I don't know. She gets a lot of praises sung her way. She deserves them, but sure. (laughs) I'm just saying, I think we should talk about this more. She's America's best kept secret. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's Uh, a lesson of the story, I guess, but like if if – whether or not we agree with it, but, like, if your friend makes a choice for their life because it is what they think is the best choice for their life, I guess just support your friend, like... Yeah, yeah. Is the lesson of the story, like, I don't know if it's the right, necessarily, choice. Like, her friend was... What's her friend's name? Uh, Charlotte? Charlotte, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. clearly not happy. So it's like, as a friend, you should probably maybe talk to your friend about not being happy, but at the same time, you can't, like, judge them for making a choice that they felt like they had to make, I guess. One of the choices that I think is a good lesson in this story is when in doubt, throw a house party. Throw it all. Listen, you know what helps this social contract thing work? Liquor and booze and a a hot jazz band. (laughs) I think that's a good lesson we can learn from this. Nothing to do but throw a ball and talk about marriage. Absolutely. I also think another good lesson is sisters got to stick by sisters. Am I right? You got to (laughs) watch out for your blood because guess what? The neighbors will not give a Fuck. Yeah. Uh, oh, I have a lesson. Um, middle children are worthless. We have no point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just I, get them out of there. Don't even have them. Uh, you can listen <laughs> if you listen to Randy Newman's "Short People" and just change it for "Middle Children." The song works <laughs> fine. The song, same meaning, same everything. Uh, M, what? Uh, you were the teller of the tale. Are there any? You've read this before. Are there any lessons that stand out to you, or any of Elizabeth's actions? Um, if you're at a party and you play the piano forte, but you sing very poorly, you should step back and let the other ladies have a chance to exhibit. Uh, that is just good manners. I agree. Uh, don't, uh, truthfully though, actually that scene that I talked about where Elizabeth's like, wow, your standards are kind of bullshit. And then Caroline's, well, maybe your company's kind of bullshit. Yeah. I actually do love that quote. She does say like, oh, she's one of those women who seeks to recommend herself to the opposite sex by undervaluing her own. And in dare, in some cases, dare I say it works, but in my mind, it's a very mean art. Yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. I actually really like. Like, to be fair, like, Caroline's a little bit of a villain, but I do like that she's like... The point she's mm-hmm. making is kind of valid. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, actually, way to call it out if you think that's what she... Like, that's not what she was doing, but I think, like, way to yeah, call yeah, it yeah. out, actually. Yeah. And then the final lesson, or my final lesson that resonates with me is that thank God for modern asphalt and paving technology. (laughs) This is a world of terrible roads. Everything was muddy and disgusting. I am feel so privileged to live in a time of asphalt. (laughs) And if you want to go three miles to your friend's house for dinner, your options are not ride a horse in the rain, take an expensive carriage or walk three miles in the mud. Yeah. You can hop in your car and be there in a minute and a half. Uh, well, listen, thank you for leaving us on this cliffhanger. Next time will be the exciting conclusion of the tale of Pride and Prejudice. We'll find out where these prejudices go. Uh, M, if people want to know more of your musings, where do they go? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at mburger9. Perfect. Hooray. 
David, do we have any? Is there anything else? Is there anything else? Like announcements? You're asking for announcements? Yeah, is there any announcements? (laughs) Yeah, what's going on with your merch, guys? Where's your merch? (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Well, we have none. Um, (laughs) Uh, You know, if if anyone has anything to say to us, go ahead and reach out. We have a Twitter. We have an email uh, at the Storytime Pod on Twitter or the Storytime Pod at gmail.com for email. Uh, That's it, really. Uh, Drop drop us those reviews or whatever. I hate asking for it, so I have to do it, David. Guys, we need those five star reviews so we can pop up in other 11 year old feeds okay (laughs) Uh, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us I've been Michael Santel I'll still be David Miller I am M. Hamke and we'll see you all next time okay Okay, bye. bye bye that's our show thanks for coming around don't be sad no need to frown we'll have more stories don't throw a fit goodbye one and all and we'll see you in a bit